Hello, I'm Ramey. And this is Dakota. And this is Leveling Duo, the podcast where two friends talk about video games that have well affected their life in some way or another. It's your turn, Dakota. What what are we talking about? Well, today I thought I'd do a little bit more of a throwback and talk about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Duelists of the Roses. Oh, I bought this for the PlayStation 2, I believe. Yes. Uh, it was actually the first Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, video game released on the PS2. It's the only one I knew of released on the PS2. I don't know of any others like right off the bat, but it was actually officially the very first one. And it was released uh, in uh, 2001 on se- in September in Japan. I don't know when I got it. I, I was between 11 and 14, so that sounds about right. Uh, something like that for me, too. Uh, I think the game had been out for like a year or two whenever I got it. Because I think that was actually the game that, because at the time, like I was really like big into Yu-Gi-Oh! with not so much like the tournaments, but just kind of collecting the cards. So I bought a lot of the games because they got collectible cards with them. And I think Duelist of the Roses was like the first one that I got that I was like, hmm, this is cool. That's pretty much why I got it too. And the PlayStation 1 did have a Yu-Gi-Oh! game. That would be uh, Forbidden Memories. Yeah, it was very... More Egyptian theme than even the... Uh... Uh, yes, which this is kind of like spoilers <laughs> for very old spoilers. Uh, essentially, like the majority of the cast of the show is supposed to be kind of like reincarnations of like ancient Egyptian people that like had uh, this big overarching story that had to do with like dark magic and trying to defend the capital and help the pharaoh, which is... The alter ego of Yugi, the main character in the show. And Duelist of the Roses basically takes that concept, except everything is English. I do like that part about it. Yeah, I thought it was like a nice kind of like change up, switch up and everything. But it was a very confusing game mechanics to get used to. Uh, There's a a Nintendo Switch game out that uses those mechanics. Uh, Like Fire Emblem? Uh, It's not so much the card part, but it is the... Giant. Well, well kind of like the yeah, like kind of like the grid moving around your units and everything as far as that goes. Yeah, but uh, it's like a wacky game of chess. Well, uh, for duels to the roses specifically, every quote unquote duel is on a, like a seven by seven uh, table square where each of you command what is known as a deck leader that acts as a representation of your life points as also, and also means through which cards are played from the hand. Because essentially, like, rather than, like, a standard, like, dual setting, you, uh, can, like, you set in cards and move them throughout the field. But, like, monsters, magics, and traps and everything, like, have, uh, their own, I don't know, what's the good word to put it? Space? I'm, I'm not, I can't remember enough about the game, I didn't play it very much. To me, like, it was kind of like a mixture of, like, it felt like chess and checkers combined, but with Yu-Gi-Oh cards as the pieces. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, different cards had different abilities, but it wasn't, like, the same standard as, like, how it was in normal play. Because there were, like, hidden rules and mechanics and everything that took place with certain cards. I got used to playing Yu-Gi-Oh on the Game Boy, mm-hmm. and if you recall... It followed more of the show rules from the, the first season mm. than it followed the actual game rules for the card game. The first few games that came out did. So, mm. you you know, you get light-type monsters that destroyed dark-type monsters in one hit, stuff like that. And when I came across this game, it was a whole different set of rules. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I didn't play it very much. 
Uh, like essentially like each card on the field as well as the deck leader itself can be moved one horizontal or vertical space each turn. Uh, when two monster cards on the field collide with each other, they are flipped face up and uh, they kind of like battle in kind of like the same sense as like, like how you would in the regular trading card game. Yes. And then, you know, like life points are subtracted, you know, like appropriately during that or gain depending on like what you do. I remember when I played, I like specifically tried to farm cards that were uh, about uh, giving me more life points. I mean, that's uh, always useful. But uh, essentially a duel would end when either uh, someone's life points uh, were reduced to zero uh, or when a player uh, was able to surround another's deck leader completely so there was no place uh, place to play a card. Uh, or if a hundred turns had passed and then at that point it would be whoever had the highest uh, life points. It's like that's as far as the game could drag it out that long. It's just like it's enough. We've done enough. But like cards have ranks. The monsters can gain experience by doing different things like uh, attacking your opponent, uh, deck leader, reducing life points, dealing damage. And if you rank up cards, then they get like special abilities sometimes. I did not know that. Which those abilities only take place if they're made a deck leader. But uh, sometimes that can be stuff like raising the strength of nearby monsters, giving you uh, increased life points by a small amount each turn, uh, being able to move more spaces rather than just one, being able to switch places. And like most like other Yu-Gi-Oh games, like there's uh, like a limit to how many cards you can play. Uh, in a deck, there's a minimum of 40. You can go over that. However, in this game, like, the cards have what's known as, like, a uh, deck cost, which uh, the stronger the card, the higher the cost. So, you have to have a minimum of 40, but if you have nothing but powerful cards in your deck, then you're going to run out of deck points before you can, like, hit the minimum. So, you have to really strategize on what you build with to just be able to have enough cards. Ah. Oh. And in order to be able to challenge people, like, your overall rating on your deck has to be lower than them. So essentially, you have to purposely build a deck that's weaker than theirs, in a sense, to just be able to challenge them. Yeah. You might want to make sure you at least have something leveled to the point where it will uh, take on any opponent, I guess. Mm. Uh, another big thing, too, is that each tile is also a uh, different terrain. And depending on what terrain, uh, and like with your creatures, like type and a trip attribute, like it could get like a bonus or a uh, deduction to its attack and defense. I still have difficulty following it. I'll be honest. If it's too much like chess, I never could do play chess either. So, well, it was just kind of like a matter of like, like there were like cards that you could get that could like alter terrain to like give you like. Uh, bigger bonuses and stuff like that, or kind of like traps I could activate, or like if a like I remember one thing like I you mainly played with like a dark themed deck, and like I had a bunch of Yami, and essentially that would like transform like five tiles into darkness, which just held my creatures out usually for the most part, and uh, a lot of them were traps. That would activate whenever a creature would attack a nearby target. And a lot of times that would end up causing it to inadvertently destroy itself. It's definitely, like, very strategic. 
Yes. But also a lot of it has to do with luck because like a lot of times stuff was just unfair, it felt like. I wonder how many people actually beat this game. Well, I beat it a couple of times. Really? You went yes. back for seconds. Obviously, you're talking about it, so. Well, I didn't have many games. So, like, <laughs> if I was bored, I would be like, okay, well, I beat it. I guess I'm going to play it again. Yeah. See if I can, like, do do something different. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, it was fun. Uh, as far as the plot goes, it's kind of, like, loosely based on uh, a real-world event uh, known as the War of the Roses. Now, that I do know about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was between the houses of... Lancaster and York over control of England in the 15th century. It's kind of like Game of Thrones is based on it, too. Yami Yugi or Dark Yugi or Atem, depending on like how you know him. Yeah. Uh, is uh, assumes the identity of the head of the Tudor dynasty, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Henry. And then Kaiba uh, represents the head of the Yorkist clan as Christian Rosencruz. I like that name. Your character is uh, like a modern-day duelist from some unknown time and place that is summoned to 1485 England by a druid that works for the Lancastrian forces uh, in order to like help them uh, in battle against the Yorkists. During this, like essentially both leaders approach you, and you have to make a choice. Because in order to be able to get back, uh, you have to collect what's known as the... Uh, 16 rose cards, which are a set of eight white and red special cards with special powers, respectively. And each house holds eight. So essentially, like, in order to be able to go home, you have to choose a side and then battle the other to collect all the cards. I like the story a whole lot better than I like the gameplay. Yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons why, like, I played it, because I wanted to, like, find out the story and understand it. Yeah. Yugi's forces, the Lancastrians, uh, wanted to obtain all the cards, uh, uh, essentially just stop Seto's forces from creating a barrier around their territory to where, like, no one, like, completely divide England, like, permanently. Oh. Uh, and then the Yorkists essentially wanted to get them to, because Seto, like, wanted to com uh, lead a forbidden ritual known as the Rose Summoning. That was supposed to give, like, some kind of, like, vague great power to the Orcus clan. And essentially, like, and if you side up with, like, Yugi, you would, like, battle people like Pegasus, Weevil, Rex, uh, and then, like, of course, Seto is, like, your final, you know, big bad. But if you chose to uh, side with Seto from the beginning, you would fight Yugi, Joey, Taya, Tristan, like, all the quote-unquote good guys. And there's a few Easter eggs in this game for Forbidden Memories, the PS1 Yu-Gi-Oh! game that we talked about earlier. I had no idea about that. According to like what I remember about it, the final, final big bad that you're supposed to defeat is the brother of Nightmare, which is supposed to be the final big bad in Forbidden Memories. Ah. Uh, he's furious that the people at that time had summoned his brother... In Egypt, and then locked them away again. I mean, that's fair reason to be mad. Essentially, like if the the way it sets up, though, if you side with Yugi and everything like that, and you defeat them, they you know, kind of like drive the Orcists out and take complete control of England. If you side with Seto, though, uh, you defeat the final big bad. He realizes he fucked up, and then willingly leaves to allow Yugi and his family to take over. I'm always a Kaiba fan, 
So I would probably, no matter how I know how the war turned out, I would side of him. But it was a lot of fun, you know, and like you could like farm people to get cards. You could open booster packs. You could sacrifice cards to get new ones. Uh, my favorite mechanic, though, was uh, fusing your own cards. Because, like, for those familiar with the trading card game, like, of being able to fuse cards, like, back in the day, to be able to do that, there weren't really, like, special rules or effects in place that often that did that. Essentially, you just had to have, like, the actual, like, fusion card and a magic card known as polymer- polymerization to be able to make it work. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't, like, synchro and... uh Everything else. It was a simpler time. Very, very simple. What was it? The only other oddballs were the ritual cards. You could had to have two cards to summon, kind of. Like you had normal summon, special summon. Fusion. Fusion and ritual. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. I still like it. I've gotten into the, is it Xyz monsters, I think, too? Mm. I I can play with those, but I didn't, I don't like the synchro stuff. It's not really for me. I've just not really been, like, huge into playing Lately, but every once in a while I buy a pack and be like, hmm, cool. I buy boxes now. And most anything that will come with a blue eyes or something related to a blue eyes, I'll hop in and grab that. And then I'll back off again for a bit. If there was another game to come out, I mean, I've been playing the one that came out on Switch because it's got so many throwbacks. That's pretty much the only one that I've played lately. I, I like it. <laughs> and I, I know you like it and Scott likes it. A lot of our friends played it. Mm. Oddly enough, I found Duelist of the Roses on Amazon. Can you believe it's um like $42? Really? Yeah. And if you want it renewed, it's $48. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I'd give it another shot myself. I know I didn't like it back then. I just don't see myself enjoying the whole tactic style of that game. I enjoyed it just because it was different. But I knew like right off the bat though that this would not be a game for everybody. I think, as a matter of fact, back in school, I think I actually showed you this game, and you told me that you didn't like it. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure somebody brought it up to my... Because I had forgot about it. I had it because I didn't sell games back then. Mm. But I had bought it when I lived in Grundy. I drove all the way to Richlands, which is, you know, 30-minute drive, to pick it up, and got it home and played it four or five hours and decided it wasn't my thing. I think right around that time, I got a Game Boy Advance one, and I think that came with, like, all the... The dice cards, like Grateful Dice, Skull Dice, well, and something else. I got one. I think it was like a 2004 tournament one. It's mm-hmm. um, The game was called 2004 Yu-Gi-Oh! Tournament, something, something. And it came with all the Magnet Warriors. Yes, and I had to get those, like Alpha, Gamma, and Beta. Yep. And then another uh, one came with, what was it, like Valkyrian or something I like believe. that? Or Valkyrie? Yeah, I, I can't remember. The it's... Magnet Warrior, which was like the fusion of them all. Mm-hmm. I still got there somewhere. I, Personally, get, though, I like Gravekeepers. Like, I like a Gravekeeper deck. I don't know why. I'm just a simple boy who likes his dragon. <laughs> Which, they've got some really cool ones now, man. Like, you know, I've been a couple of groups on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And a lot of stuff I've seen is, like, fan-made cards. Which, hey, there's some really good ones out there. And, like, props to y'all for that. Damn. They've really added a lot to the repertoire, especially you and your Blue Eyes obsession. Like, they just straight up have, like, Blue Eyes-themed decks now and cards. You have The World is Your Limit. (laughs) It was more popular than The Dark Magician, which I think they surprised them some. Which, like, that's one of my favorites, to be honest. I mean, like, and I guess it is because, like, I liked Yugi and stuff like that. But, like, I'm a, I always like spellcasters in general. 
I know I do prefer, if I'm playing any other game, I'll prefer Spellcaster. But honestly, if any other game, usually dragons and spellcasters are hand in hand. Personally, I like a combination of spellcaster and warrior. A battle mage. I'm one of those people that like, uh, back in the day, I tried to do kind of like a uh, like a dark magician, Buster Blader. Buster Blader. He was the anti-dragon, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. I liked him, but I, I, I had him in my deck, but it, it, not many people had as many dragons either. So he had a nice fusion with a blue eyes ultimate. Mm-hmm. And he had a nice fusion with dark magician, didn't he? Dark Paladin? Uh, I think my, like, big warrior, though, was a uh, Black Luster soldier. Envoy of the End, or just the regular one? Uh, just the regular one back then. Yeah, the, the Ritual card. Yes, which now they have versions, so many different versions. Mm-hmm. Back to... Uh, Duels of the Roses? Yeah. Like, that was, like, the big thing. Like, I remember, like, Black Luster Soldier was, like, one of the, like, big cards... That I got, because at the time, that was, like, one of the only big cards, like, aside from, like, a Blue Eyes that you could get, or it's, like, just pure attack points. Yeah, you had, what is it? Um, 3,000. 3,000, yeah. And the only things that came close were the Dark Magician, the Summon Skull. Red Eyes. Red Eyes, of course. And then you had Serpent Night Dragon. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of up there with... Uh, Luster the, Dragon. Yeah. So you had a few of them. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, that was just kind of like that era of Yu-Gi-Oh! back in the day. The first season. Like, this was like the era before, like, they even introduced the concept of, like, removing cards from play. Yeah. It was just they got sent to the graveyard. That was it. Mm-hmm. Now they've added, like, three extra spaces onto the field, at least. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit more than that, man, since, yeah. like, we played. <laughs> yeah, I bought some of the packs of the new uh, mats, and I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. I really don't want to learn this. And then I watch people play it on YouTube, and it's just like spamming cards one right after the other on the field before it's even someone else's turn, and I just don't... I'm not up for that. Yeah, that's pretty much like what it's like evolved into. Like, there was no, like, I summon a card, set two cards, play this card, now it's your turn. You know, like, okay. And then they take a deep breath, and they play, like, half their deck, and it's like... What's oh. happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh... I'm dead. Yeah. It, it's a sad, sad world that we're in. But Duels of the Roses was, it was a nice concept. It was something I never expected them to do. Mm. And they've never done it again. That was also like back in the day, like when they did uh, Dungeon Dice Monsters. Oh, yeah. Which was kind of like their... I never actually played that one at all. Beat that one too. I, well, I, I figured you did since you knew so much about it. But I didn't have a clue what it was about. I knew it had dice and I knew it wasn't a standard game. So... Well, I was that was just the era of like I'm kind of bored. Yeah, like I don't judge you different. for playing them. I just well, I didn't think you were, man. I'm just saying, like I don't know, like thought it was all fun, at least for a time. Yeah, well, I mean, Pokemon does the same thing, but they anything of Pokemon's logo sells well, so mm. you get like Pokemon Dungeon stuff like that, and mm. all these odd little offshoots that Pokemon does, and they still sell pretty well. I mean, hell, I played Pokemon Pinball. <laughs> I would have played it, but I didn't ever actually get it. It might have been a time when I was kind of not paying attention to it for a bit. I did that a lot. We've had our fun times with Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine got me into the card game because he blew up all my firecrackers by throwing a lit one into the pile of fireworks we had. And it blew them all up, and he felt bad because all of them were gone. And he gave me a Blue Eyes White Dragon as an apology. And I was like, what is this? And then he made me watch one episode of the show. Hmm. And then it became a crippling uh, addiction for my younger years. 
Yeah, like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to, like, say something, but I don't want to, like, put your, like, personal stuff out there, as you say, like, your, like, crippling addiction as a child. Uh, go ahead. It don't hurt me none. Oh, I was just going to say that. I was just, like, for those that are interested, like, this man's got, like, multiple binders of, like, blue eyes, white dragon cards. <laughs> I love my blue eyes. And like I said, if it has a blue eyes, or even if it's a common thing, I'll go out of my way to buy it. Like Seto Kaiba was one of this man's like heroes <laughs> growing yeah. up, role models. I have his name carved into a, a tree in Grundy somewhere. Oh, well, did not know that. Yeah. It was almost like a, what do you imagine, a schoolgirl crush where they just write people's names over and over in movies and TV or whatever. Mm. That's what I was doing. I don't know why I liked it. I guess it's the same reason I like Pokemon, though. I didn't have a crush on him. It was just nice and cool, and it took up a big portion of my life for a while. I bought a lot. All my Christmas gifts were Yu-Gi-Oh! related. Which, at the last uh, Yamakon I went to, I did see some pretty cool uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! cosplays while I was there. Really? Yeah, a couple of Yu-Gi's. I honestly wouldn't have expected that. There was a Kaiba. Oh, that one. <laughs> that's I'd say it's less work than the Yugi. He had that briefcase. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, like most things, like Yugi's fit is something that you have to work at. Whereas Kaiba's is just mainly, if you can afford it, mm-hmm. you can just buy it. Yes. And then just, you know, style your hair a certain way. Yeah. Really professional and long coat kind of look. Lots of belts. Lots of belts. Lots of belts. So many belts. Yeah. Yugi's hair, everybody goes for wig. I've never seen somebody go for a solid do-it-myself with my own hair thing. Yeah, good luck with that. It's funny, though. The wigs are the foam type of things. Like, you get the giant fingers at a game, a sports event, and you get a big finger. Or what, I don't know what which sport even uses those. But that's what the hair is made out of in a lot of the cosplays for Yugi. The ones I saw looked like that. They bought wigs and then, like, styled the wigs. I'd say that looks a lot better than the big foam hat. It looked more, like, as natural, I guess, as something like that could look. I'd like to see somebody go as, like, a weevil. (laughs) (laughs) Or Payne from the first series. Bandit Keith. Yeah. Oh, Bandit Keith. Just pick an American. (laughs) I've digressed this into a whole mess. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But, like, if anything, though, that game... Like I said, like, it, it was just, like, that era of, like, just finding different, like, avenues of, like, games. Different mechanics of stuff that I, like, hadn't tried before. You got tired of the same old thing, and it was nice, refreshing. Yes. Which, uh, like, stuff like that, though, kind of, like, in real life, kind of, like, kind of made me more realize that maybe there was, like, more than one way of, like, tackling a problem. Because I, I used to have, like, a very, very uh, linear uh, train of thought with uh, tackling problems. I still have that. Usually I find the simplest way to get out of a problem or solve a problem, even mm-hmm. if it's not the best method. As long as you got something out of it, especially something that changed your life in a good way, that is good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, I've never seen you get bogged down yet. Well, I try not to. I mean, gotta keep that positive outlook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow is another day. Duels of the Roses, like, I just really enjoyed the story, enjoyed the game mechanics. It's like I said, like, just kind of like a breath of fresh air compared to, like, the standard uh, rules back in the day for the trading card game. Uh, like, honestly, I think it'd be kind of cool if we saw, like, maybe, like, another similar kind of styled mechanic game, maybe. I could see them doing it a lot better today. Especially, like, with 
if you're trying to incorporate like the new mechanics. Yeah. You know, like essentially it's just like, oh, you can just do all this shit. First turn. <laughs> I remember back when they used to call spell cards magic cards. Yes. Before Wizards of the Coast sued them. Mm-hmm. I still have a bunch. I mean, would you recommend this to someone for $42? It, it claims it's used, but it still comes with the cards. I mean, if you have a console that you trust, and, and like you're a big fan, like it is something I'd recommend. Like, especially if you're like one that likes to collect games. However, if not, if you're just interested in like how the concept played, I'm sure there's some YouTuber out there that has played it and streamed it. I would almost guarantee it. I'll add the affiliate link to this from Amazon mm. into the description. And if you really want it, it'll be there. If you buy it, it'll help us out. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Just as a slight forewarning, I suppose, is that it is a little bit of a uh, darker toned game due to the concept of like war between the houses, uh, going for the throne, things of that nature. It's a little bit more on the dramatic side. It's got a steep learning curve. And uh, occasionally we'll have like a massive spike in difficulty. And the way the game kind of works, sometimes if you're not careful, you can kind of like soft lock yourself. That is annoying. Yes. At least he's warned you. <laughs> if you want to play it, there it is. Pretty much all I have to say on the game for now. I possibly try to like revisit again sometime, like we do a future uh, Yu-Gi-Oh episode. But for now, that's pretty much all I got to say. Alrighty. Well. Thank you for bringing it up, because I had forgot it existed until you mentioned <laughs> it again. Not a problem, man. I'm one of those people that just has like that obscure knowledge of some games. The forgotten relics of our past. Oh, goodness. Uh, old games are disappearing, I hear. Since they're not allowed to be digitally uploaded, it's, um, mm -hmm. it's becoming a problem. Nice to bring up something, especially like this. If you like our podcast, we have a whole podcast network called Gruesome Gaming Group. In it is another podcast I do with my sister called Horrific History and Hauntings. It's a podcast where she tells me some aspect of history that wouldn't show up in the history books because it's usually horrible and they wouldn't want to teach kids that. Or it's just not important and world-changing enough to show up. But it is usually bad or funny or both. Mm -hmm. And we will talk about that. And a lot of times we'll talk about hauntings also that sometimes result from these bad things. And that's stories behind those. Uh, another one that my sister and I do is a podcast called Brother Knows Quest. It's a podcast where I take a random role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game, off my shelf and tell her about the setting and some of the rules, maybe. Try not to get into the rules too much. At the end, she'll tell me if she would like to play it or try it. It's not a very long one. A lot of times, some of these games have short settings to describe. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, depends on what I pick. I uh, put the link to all the episodes and all of our podcasts in the description of this episode. We have a Twitter, Gruesome Gaming G. If you want to tweet at us, let us know what you think or give us ideas new things to cover anything like that yeah i would really like to hear from you guys it would be nice and if you want to leave a review if you have a podcast player that will let you do a review go ahead and do that please even if it's a bad one just let us know what we can fix in the review and we'll fix it and if you like you could re-review it after that thank you for listening i've been ramey and this has been dakota logging off logging off <laughs>